0: What the middle school did, they socially transitioned my child, which is actually a psychosocial medical intervention that they are grossly unqualified to do. And social transition is the first step toward medical transition.
1: Welcome to Pod, Bless America, I'm Jim. And I'm Dan. And today we're talking about parental rights. We have rights? Oh, the parents have rights. Uh, Listen, they would let you believe you don't. They would let you believe that your children are their charges. That they are allowed to raise your children. That you're not allowed to have rights in raising your children.
2: They think that that they just sleep at your house. They
1: just, (laughs) right, right. You know what, the school doesn't want to pay for them to sleep there overnight, so they're going to let you sleep with, with you. But then when they come back... All's off the table. Well, listen, we've got a couple <laughs> guests here today who are not only talking the talk here, but they are walking the walk. And They're they in are, the fight. They are on the front lines of the fight. We have January Little John, which if you listen to episode 25, we talked about her story. Um, January Little John here is a, just a regular old stay-at-home mom, right? She's got three kids, which I think is important here. She is um, a licensed mental health counselor. She's in the middle of a federal lawsuit right now with the Leon County School District over parental rights. Joining her is going to be her attorney, Bernadette Broyles, who is the president and general counsel of the Child and Parental Rights Campaign. And she's going to talk both about January's case and Title IX. Um, The Title IX, uh, way the Biden administration wants to change Title IX, which, you know, this administration, it's all for the best.
0: And they can change the definition if they want.
1: You know what? Yeah, we can change the definition of whatever we want. So, uh, January, Vernadette, are you guys here?
0: We are. We're here. All right, welcome Uh, to
1: the show. Perfect. Welcome to the show, man. We appreciate you guys coming to tell your story. And uh, honestly, I didn't even know about the Child Parental Rights, uh, I guess it's Child and Parental Rights Campaign. Um, And you can find that at uh, childparentrights.org. Reading through the site, though, it's amazing. And you would think that January's story here is going to be just a one off, right? According to the federal government, this doesn't happen. This doesn't happen. Look, I, the Republicans are going to lead you to believe that this happens all the time, but this doesn't happen. Yeah, never mind what your no, eyes and ears are telling no, you. No, this doesn't happen. January, does this happen?
0: Oh, it definitely is happening.
1: Uh, well, why is it happening, January? What happened to you?
0: Sure. So during the late spring of 2020, our 13-year-old daughter came to us, her father and I, and told us that she was confused about her sex. And this is after three of her friends at school had also suddenly started identifying as transgender. This was at the height of the pandemic. And so, you know, I don't know if you remember back then, but there were a lot of children and teens suffering in terms of their mental health because of The school shutdowns and things were just really scary and confusing. Even for us as adults, we were still trying to figure out what this truly meant for our country, for our world. So it was a confusing time. So it really was no surprise to me as a mental health professional that the kids' mental health was going to suffer in some way.
1: Right. And I have three daughters and I remember going through that and with my my youngest, especially Who was in middle school at the time? I'm like, this is it. I mean, this these are her formative years with her, you know, with her friends. With my middle daughter was a senior in high school. I'll never forget. This is her senior year. She came home on a Thursday, and that was it. She never went back to school. Never saw her friends again in that setting. Her graduation was not like everybody else. Nope. Graduation was was ridiculous. Prom was non-existent. She lost everything. She had no. Uh, just uh, she had no warning that this was going to happen Thursday night, she came yes. home from school. Yes. Everything was fine. Friday, never saw her friends again.
0: Right. And so I think as, as parents, we gave our kids some leeway during this time, right? You know, we, we understood that it was a scary, confusing time for them. Um, kids like predictability and this was a very unpredictable thing that was happening. One of the our things child, you said here is our, that
1: three of her friends had had been questioning their identity had come out, had, you know, whatever. I look back on my time in school and I'm sure Dan does three of my friends. I mean, that's incredible to me that three, right. I, I, there is no way back then. I don't, I don't even have one. I'll be honest with you. I mean, but for three of them.
0: And so as a mental health professional, this wasn't something I specialized in, but it, you know, I was trained into what gender dysphoria was and this wasn't registering with what I knew about trans identification and gender dysphoria, you know, historically this hit males and it happened early in childhood. And my daughter had no previous issues of confusion or distress whatsoever over her sex. So I want to be very clear about that, that for many of these teens, this does literally come out of nowhere. So we were navigating this the best that we could We love our daughter more than anything in the world. So we elicited the help of a mental health professional. We were not affirming this trans identification at home because like I said, it came out of nowhere and we did not feel like it was in the best interest of our daughter.
1: So it's not that you are, you're not a bigot, right? You don't hate people. That's not it. Your daughter out of nowhere after talking with three of her friends came out and said this and you're thinking, look, this might not be really what you're thinking, right?
0: This- well, as her parent, we wanted to understand what was happening with our daughter.
1: Which she is why you elicit the help. She was not
0: doing well emotionally. That's correct. She was not doing well emotionally, which you know, we thought could be due to the COVID shutdowns and other things that she was experiencing with the online learning. Um, but that's the bottom line is we were confused about her reaction and what was happening. And so we did elicit the help of a mental professional. Now, when school started, we knew that she wanted to go by a different name. But like I said, we were not affirming at home, but we didn't feel like we could prevent her from going by a nickname at school. Again, there's no instruction manual for a parent when this happens. So we were, you know, in conversation with her therapist, but the therapist was new to our family. So we were just really trying to figure this out as a family and move forward to help our daughter in the best way that we could. I had expressed this via email because parents were not allowed on campus when school started, so I had expressed this via email to a teacher. I didn't hear anything else. Several weeks later, my daughter got into my car after school and said, "Mama had a meeting today at school and they asked me which restroom I wanted to use." Isn't that funny? Well, I I was I was shocked. I, you know, I wanted immediately to know the details. What are you talking about? I wasn't aware of a meeting. And my daughter, by the way, is diagnosed with ADHD. So she has a 504 plan on file, which I am at every single meeting. I'm very involved with all three of my children's schools. In fact, I was volunteer of the year at her middle school prior to this occurring. When I emailed the guidance counselor and said I have serious concerns safety concerns about you having a meeting with my child without me being present and you asking her which bathroom she wanted to use. I was received a phone call with both the guidance counselor and the vice principal. And I was told that by law, my daughter had to be the one to authorize my notification of the meeting or attendance to the meeting.
1: Your 13 year old daughter.
0: That's correct. 13 year old daughter has to give
1: permission for you to learn about life-changing events. that's a seventh grader?
0: This was the start of her eighth grade year. So I was told that they could not give me any information because I wanted to know what happened at this meeting, what she she was asked, did you complete any paperwork with her? Like I had real safety concerns about any adult having a meeting with my child for any reason behind closed doors without me being present. Something that that has nothing
1: to do with school. It has nothing to do with teaching her math. They're not calling in there and saying, hey, look, your grades in math are are subpar. We're going to get you into tutoring. Would you have a problem with that? No. Would you have a problem with English? No. They're bringing her in here talking to her about her sexual identification, something that should be the parent's problem. And the school has decided that they can raise your daughter better than you can. But it gets worse. Well,
0: Uh, Oh, it gets much worse. So after several weeks, my only recourse was to go speak to someone at the district office, which happened to be the assistant superintendent, which I did immediately. After multiple conversations between us and her, we finally were given a meeting with the principal of the middle school. And we were shown the transgender gender nonconforming support plan that they completed with my 13 year old daughter. This was with three school officials that included the guidance counselor, a vice principal, and a social worker I had never met. It was a six-page document where they absolutely took away our ability to protect her because they asked her questions that could have significantly impacted her safety and mental health, such as which restroom she preferred to use, which sex she preferred to room with on overnight field trips. And then these this plan did something extremely nefarious. It, it asked our daughter what name and pronouns they should use as the school when speaking to us, the parents. So essentially, everybody would know that our daughter was going by a different name and pronouns except for us. <laughs> they allowed her oh, to choose my God. how the school what name pronouns the school would use when speaking to us to effectively conceal from us that this meeting had ever taken place.
1: You know, and here's the thing is that these schools have made it and the government has made it to the point that if you were to, I mean, obviously you don't care because you're taking the school on, but if you are to step out publicly and denounce this,
2: Now you're a bigot. Even the people at the school professionally that know that it's garbage. They're going,
1: uh, I'm just going to go along with this. I got to go with it. I'm not a bigot. I don't want to get fired. You know what? I'm not transphobic. Right. You know, even though you know what's in the best interest of your daughter, you're not allowed to step out and say, nah, we're not doing that. Well, why are you transphobic? Are you a bigot? And now it's just like everything else with the left, right? As soon as you start asserting your rights or you start bringing up a good point, they call you a racist. They call you a bigot. They now, what you are you down. doing? Right now, you're back on your heels, well, and you have to the, defend yourself. The
0: bottom line, yeah, the bottom line is this is not in the best interest of children. Of course, we it's know not. from years and years and years of research that parental involvement is critical in the successful outcomes of children at school. So, why in the world would we be except, expected, you know, as as administration, as school counselors? To suspend the reality, but only in this one circumstance, to exclude when, parents. When did this, and this start? And created a huge wedge between our daughter and us.
1: When did the school decide that they are in a position to be able to talk about these things with your kids? Because I know when well, I went to school, it yeah. was never a thing. It was that's, reading, yeah, writing, that's and arithmetic.
0: A, that's a great question, and it, it really leads me to what I really want your audience to understand what happened to our family after I started to really research this and was horrified by everything that was happening to us, not as just parents, but what was happening with my daughter being blindly affirmed in, in identity regardless of circumstances, and then we were being excluded from these critical conversations occurring with her, what we realized was this was not an isolated incident, and what we were finally shown Would we continue to ask for, you know, we wanted to know what, what legal guide or protocol or policy are you following that you're stating you have the ability to meet with our minor child without us being present? And we were shown a 38 page document that was the Leon County LGBTQ guide. And what we learned was that these guides had been put in place by a third-party activist organization here in Florida, and many of the guides, you know, they ranged from 25 pages to some of the guides were 140 pages. But they all used the same protocols. They all presumed parents to be the enemies of their LGBTQ children. And it even said in the guide for Leon County that outing a child is dangerous and can literally make them homeless or be abused and you know i <laughs> want to just jump in here real quick for something that january that is sharing got so
3: much, um, dan and jim is that it's not this is at the end of the day it's really not a political issue in the sense that we've talked to parents on not just the right but also the left as well and all parts of the political spectrum that are not okay With school officials, government officials usurping their authority to to make these fundamental decisions for their children, it's really it's it's one of these issues where you know we can find there's real common ground amongst parents on all parts of the political spectrum.
1: Well, am I wrong in I? You don't hear about many of these stories about a junior in high school or a senior in high school. Right. Where the school has come to them and said, hey, look, it's fine. You can be whoever you want. These stories are coming out with middle school kids and elementary school kids when they're at their most vulnerable, when they've been told their whole lives that, listen, you need to respect your teachers. You need to listen to your teachers. You know, you don't talk back to your teachers. And now these are the very same teachers that are putting this garbage in these kids heads that look, you can be whatever you want. It, well, it,
0: and it's, it's not just the teachers, guys. You have to understand that gender ideology, which is what you're referring to, this notion that a child can be born in the wrong body, and that the only way to alleviate this distress is to change the body instead of changing the mind.
1: I, I misspoke. This
0: is in, I misspoke. This is this has infiltrated every aspect of our culture. Correct. So, yes, there are some activist teachers pushing this.
1: When However, I say teachers, I... Just from this point on, when I say teachers, I mean the administration also. I, I mean the entire right. school districts. Yeah. I, I misspoke. Well, and, I should not have just put it if, on teachers because they're only know, getting what they've been told. You know? It
0: does happen. However, I want your audience to understand that this is coming at our children from multiple angles. Well, We're and this, your Reddit, story TikTok. is,
2: you're right.
1: Disney. And Disney, right. My God. But your story, and I want people to realize that. And when we talk about heroin addicts, right, that's one of the things I always say. I'm a 29-year law enforcement uh, officer, and that's one of the things I always say is, look, you can look at heroin addicts and you can say, hey, this is just that junkie in the alley. Until that junkie is your 15-year-old daughter who's living in your house. This is the same thing. You can say January's story, that's not me. That's not going to affect me. I love my school district. Until it's your daughter who's being, you know, groomed this way or is being told that it's okay to be whatever you want. And you're not being told about it because if you think it's not happening where you live, if you think it's not happening in Ohio, it's not happening in Texas, it's not happening in Michigan. It's not happening in Illinois or Indiana. You're wrong. It's happening everywhere.
0: Oh, a hundred percent. And what we've learned after two years now plus of research is this has become a social contagion among almost vulnerable children. It's, you know, it's it's the kids that have been bullied or have previous trauma. Many of these kids have other co-occurring mental health issues. And instead of addressing the root cause of those issues, these kids have been swept up into a contagion to believe that their issue is gender. And so these kids are really in a lot of emotional pain and they truly believe that transitioning it's the only way to alleviate that pain. And this is being confirmed by doctors, psychologists, counselors who are complicit in this. And what I want your your audience to also understand is what the, the middle school did. They socially transitioned my child, which is actually a psychosocial medical intervention that they are grossly unqualified to do. And social transition is the first step toward medical transition. And one of the reasons that our Surgeon General here in Florida has come out with Department of Health guidance stating not to socially or medically transition children under the age of 18, because what that does is it solidifies this false identity for these children. If you are experimenting and having an identity crisis in adolescence, which that is a normal part of adolescent behavior when you come out and start identifying as transgender it is not the same as just trying on goth clothing when you've convinced everybody around you of this and and you're affirmed in this how do you then walk that back how do you then go to those teachers who affirmed you and told you how brave you are when weeks prior, when you were identifying as a girl, you weren't brave or celebrated. Right. This is why this is incredibly harmful and this is not a benign intervention that these schools are doing to to cut parents out is unforgivable. And what the it's what un, the school doesn't have to do,
1: what these teachers, what these counselors don't have to deal with are the after effects of this, right? When when this child is now 25 years old and realizes that they've made a grievous mistake and and God help them if they've gotten surgery or something like that. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen uh, Matt Walsh's um, documentary on what yes. is a woman. Yes. And, I mean, oh, yeah, And mean he has got a person on there who transitioned, I believe it was a male to a female, who now regrets with everything they are that they did this. Yeah, it was
0: female to male. That's Scott Nugent. And, you know, female to the male. transitioners, there are more and more of them speaking out. That's what you're, you're talking about is someone who has had a medical transition procedure done. And then they came to realize that it did not fix their pain. And I think that that's really important because we should have the utmost compassion for these children who are struggling with confusion over their sex.
1: Absolutely. I agree. And that
0: is really important, but they need mental health treatment, not hormones.
1: And that's the problem, right? They're not getting that. They're getting it from the schools who are just, as soon as you say that you're confused, they're like, oh, we we got the cure for you. Got one on the, hook, got on the hook. Yeah, we got one on the hook here. We got we got the cure for you. You know what? You know what, young lady? You're going to become a boy now, and you're going to feel so much better. But then they don't have to deal with all the problems that the parents have to deal with. They don't have to deal with the regret later on. They can just say, oh, we did a great thing here. We protected this girl from her evil parents. It's disgusting. So how did you get hooked well, up with yeah. the with the child and parental rights campaign?
0: Well, I'll tell you, we tried very hard to resolve this with the school, school district before we even sought out any legal help. And so it was really just by word of mouth um, after we had done a great deal of research. Because w- once you pull the curtain away from what gender, quote unquote, gender affirming care really means, parents soon realize the horrors of their children potentially becoming lifelong medical patients on experimental puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones, and many of which we don't even know the long-term effects because this experiment is happening in real time. But what we do know is that these drugs, at the very least, sterilize the children, and in many cases, they destroy their future sexual functioning. Parents like us that are simply trying to understand what is happening with their children and then trying to protect their child from devastating consequences of of medical interventions, it's really, really important that parents not only understand what's happening, but they understand what their options are.
2: And I can't believe that's I can't believe that's controversial. Right. Everything you just said makes so much perfect sense. I can't believe people can look at that and go, well,
1: well, you know, the problem is the problem is like the episode we did, or I think it was in 25. I think it was when we were talking about the the parental rights bill in Florida, that Disney, you know, companies like that, you've got a senior leadership, uh, a girl who is in senior leadership position there who comes out and says, well, she has two kids and one's transgender and one's pansexual. I'm like, come on, man! That is you pushing that on them. That is not your kids coming out and doing this, right? But you are so woke. You want to be the one who says, "Oh, look at me! I'm so woke." I'm, I'm carrying so, the flag for you. Yeah, it. I'm carrying the flag, man. This is this is the new America, and well, those kids are going to grow up to be destroyed. And like she
2: said, in the system, on on the medications, on the trials for, on the, rest for the rest their of their lives,
1: lives. That's not fair. Until they listen. Well, and what's the suicide rates, January? Do you know? Well,
0: that's suicide has been weaponized. And that is one of the the hardest aspects of all of this for me as a mental health professional, because this population is at risk of suicide. But it's not because they're not being affirmed. It's because of the co-occurring mental health issues, significant mental health issues like unresolved trauma anxiety right. up to 40% of these girls are on the autism spectrum. The other thing wow. that most people don't realize is, that right? is some of the best research. Did you say that we 40%
1: have, of those girls are on 40% autism?
0: 40% of these girls that are in the social contagion are autistic. God. And what, one thing that people don't talk about enough, some of the best research that we have comes out of Sweden. The Dutch have studied this tremendously and What they found was that the suicide rate actually increases post transition. Right. And the Dutch are very, very accepting of transgender identities, transgender treatments. So for them to have uncovered that post transition, it's the the suicide rate is almost 20 times that of the normal population. That should, that should be a huge red flag that this population's fundamental mental health needs are not being addressed. That
3: study shoot that is talking about is out of Sweden, which, which is a very, you know, a very progressive country, very accepting of, of different lifestyles. So it, it really yes, is sorry, touching Sweden. on something. Important?
0: Well, and the other thing, guys, I don't know if you know this, but Countries like Finland, Sweden, the UK, and even France have all done a proper risk assessment of these medical procedures, especially on children. And they have all reassessed, reevaluated, saw that the risks far outweigh the benefits. And one of the largest gender clinics for children in the UK has just been shut down. Cavstock. So while the U.S. is full steam ahead on what they're calling, quote unquote, gender affirming care, I mean, they're glossing over the fact that they're sterilizing children. They call double mastectomy top surgery. So these kids, you know, are being made to believe like their body parts are just interchangeable, like we're Mr. Potato Heads or something. And that is, of course, not the reality. But children are very impressionable and They also, like you said before, their brains are not fully developed until they age at least 25. Does anybody? Which is why a lot of the detransitioners, once their brains fully mature, they come to recognize that, you know, not only did this not fix their their underlying root issue, but now they're left with irreversible. I guess that's what I was going to ask you.
1: Does anybody tell these kids when they're transitioning, does anybody tell them that, look, this is not going to change your biological sex. You are not going to actually be a woman. You're going to still be a man or yeah. you're still going to be a woman. You're just going yeah, to feel differently don't, don't and problem. everybody accepts it. Because I guarantee that when you have people like Leah Thomas, who is in the running for NCAA woman of the year, you're, I, it's just amazing to me. And, and the message that sends to folks like your daughter that, oh, well, I could be man of the year. I could be, no, you can't. You're still, your biological sex is still your biological sex. You can feel how you want, but no surgery, no hormone therapy, nothing is going to change your chromosome, who you really are. That's correct But nobody tells them that. No, but that's
2: also why they're getting them at this age and this grade. Well, Sure. And that's why the teachers gravitate toward that and the counselors gravitate towards that so they can get them in their impressionable years.
1: All right. Listen, I'm not going to talk about the case. I understand that the case right now is at kind of a crucial point um, and we don't want to talk about anything to do with the case at all. So we're going to just skip away with the case and hopefully uh, you'll come back on once the case is disposed of. Um, either way, whichever way it goes, hopefully it goes hundred percent in, uh, in your favor. Now I will say that you live in what is currently becoming the freest state in America, Florida and governor DeSantis seems to be doing everything right with the parental rights and education bill that was passed. Does that affect you at all? Or is that all after your deal?
0: No, it's, it was passed after the fact, but what I, you know, I don't want people to think oh great we have this law now we can relax this is not the time to be taking your foot off the gas because laws are only as good as the people holding them you know accountable when they break the law
1: january you're absolutely right that we should not be taking our foot off the gas because the problem is that there is a, a there is a contingent that is not taking their foot off the gas right now and if you think that you've won this and you can just sit back you can't sit back. The fight is still on and you've got to fight and you've got to defend the decisions that have come down already. You can't sit back and say, we've won this and just go on about your life. Go back and get your your lattes and everything else. Because while you're getting your lattes and you're not paying attention, they're going to come back and overturn everything that you fought for right now.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I would love for Bernadette to really get into the nuts and bolts of what the Biden administration is trying to change in terms of title nine.
1: Yeah, for sure. And let's get into that. So we got the child and parental rights campaign who is basically fighting for every single one of you parents out there, even though you don't know it yet. Right. This is why, these bad things aren't happening to your kids because of organizations like this. So, Fernadette, you want to give us a just a quick rundown on the uh, child and parent rights uh, campaign?
3: Sure. Then we'll yeah. get into
1: Title IX a little bit.
3: Happy to. So, we're an organization. We came together. We're now several attorneys uh, about three years ago when we realized we come from it from a. I was a child advocate for many years in the Garden at Leiton. One of my law partners uh, is a very uh, astute constitutional, um, civil rights, federal court litigator, and then the other partner is comes out of Child Protective Services and the Education um, Department for Georgia. So we bring all this together, recognizing that this issue has formed a kind of an existential threat against parental rights, against parents being able to determine. You know the mental health care of their children, to determine you know, the upbringing of their children, the religious beliefs of their children, if their child is in public school, and you know it's not—it was not part of the bargain for any for any parent in exchange for the taxes that they pay to get you know public school education to completely relinquish all decision making that affects the the emotional and physical and spiritual uh, uh, and psychological well being of their child. You know. The courts have been real clear that schools you absolutely have authority over over curriculum and over the school environment and and, and those sorts of things. But parents retain the right to determine, you know, what sort of health care the child is going to get, mental health care, how their child is their upbringing. So with all that being said, we are here to uphold and defend legally in court and also in advocacy. Parents' rights to be able to guard and to guide their children throughout uh, up until adulthood. So
1: I guess that right now you're probably busiest with the transitioning. Um, However, is there more that you guys are doing? Are, Are there other issues with the schools that maybe people aren't experiencing with the transitioning, but that you guys can help out with?
3: The issue honestly has us overwhelmed. Oh, I bet. Just this one issue. We are here hearing, and I think it's important for your your audience to hear. We are hearing from parents all over the country, and as I said before, it's not parents that just you know just on the on the right or the far right. It's parents on the left. We were on the phone this morning. I won't give an ind- identification. This morning for two hours on with a very much very much left leaning lifelong long Democrat family in a very blue part of the country. Um, that we're going to be working with, having the same exact, exact experience and clients, their, their daughter, almost the same exact age, because, you know, transitioned at school, without notice to them, you know, over their objections, almost the same thing. And again, completely part of the, of the political spectrum. You know so here's I, what they have in common. And they I, love their child.
1: I just want to point out that this is not, when we talk about this, it's not a left versus right issue. What this is right. is a constitutional issue, and what this is right. is an issue where the parents have a right to raise your kids. The schools have the right to teach your kids accepted curriculum.
3: That's right. Right. I don't. And you know why that is, Dan and and Jim. Do you know why that is? That the law follows common understanding and common sense. It is because it harms. Children, when you drive, you, you drive a wedge between parents and their authority and children who are young and, and vulnerable and impressionable and manipulable, they're kids, they're children, they're susceptible to adults. When you drive a wedge between them and the adults that love them the most, know them the best, and are authorized in law to guard them and to guide them. That harms children. Right. They and may think not in the only short
1: term that, that, yeah. Not only that harms children. This isn't just other adults, right? You're talking about adults that these children trust as much as their parents, that they're being guided by almost as much as their parents, their teachers. They're trusting them, they're trusting the schools. So if the teacher says it, well, it must be true. It must be true. Yeah, I, that's
3: that is what makes it so insidious is that these are authority figures in the life yes. of these children. Yes. And you know, you know, for some of these these teachers or educators, they may think, uh, you know, that they're doing good, but, but in, in truth, you have to just step back and realize they don't belong to you. They don't, they don't belong. <laughs> yes, to the school yes, system. That is these what we children say.
1: Children belong to parents. Right. You have my kids for eight hours a day. That's it. They come home, and what I teach them at home, that's got to trump what the school's teaching them, right? They don't come home. I don't teach them about English. I don't teach them mathematics. I might help with their homework. Well, to a point, my mathematics are not very strong, if we're being honest. Uh, But let me teach my children how to be good citizens, how to grow up. You teach them how to use proper English. That's all I want from the school, Bernadette, when you were in school, how many of your teachers, do you know how many of your
3: teachers had how many kids? You know, when I was a kid, we would refer to our teachers as, you know, Mr. and Miss, mm-hmm. whatever, Smith, Jones. How many and, of your teachers showed you we pictures? Had, we, didn't, we didn't know all these personal things about our teachers, right. and we, we really didn't need it to know.
1: How many showed you pictures but, of their husbands or their wives?
3: You know, ma- again, we, we didn't correct we didn't cross those boundaries and because that's the you're problem not is that right. we're crossing boundaries now with with children and that is not the place of schools but you know what i really want to talk about right now with the audience is understanding what's the train that is coming down the track with our children strapped to the rails
1: well and that's right and title that 9 is, is the train that's coming down the tracks with no lights on and the gates aren't down yeah. right you think everything's safe and right. you're about to cross those tracks and that train's going to blindside you with no lights on well, I'll let you explain Title IX. You're in a better place to explain sure. Title IX than I am. So what was Title IX in 1970? <laughs> I think it was two. Uh, Title yes. IX, what did Title IX initially establish to do in a perfect world?
3: Well, I'm impressed you all have done your homework. Good. A good, huh, good little
1: bit. We try. Um, I, I, give yeah. them, I give them notes. <laughs> it's,
3: it's Dan. Well, you I, just my, you notes. <laughs> I just show up. I
1: just show up.
3: So title IX in 1972 it was the, the education amendment and it was it was passed and, and effectively to um, protect the educational opportunities of girls and women. It it what it actually said was that it, it prohibits discrimination on the basis of sex. That's basically the title said. So all the scholarships you can't, can't all the
1: scholarships can't just go to men. Right.
3: Exactly. Right? Exactly. Right. Right. Well, women have all to have the, equal know, opportunity. Correct. Okay. Right. And, so, the, and what was what, what was purpose at the time was to equalize the opportunities for girls and women.
1: So who would have now, a problem what with that? Happened. That's great.
3: It's been great. It, yeah, it, it yeah, frankly yeah. Has, has ushered in progress for women in the last 50 years. That is just extraordinary. We are absolutely on par with our male counterparts in, in, in education. That's fabulous. I got so three daughters.
1: I'm happy about it. But what could possibly yeah. go wrong with this, Fernandette? What, what could possibly go possibly wrong? Go wrong?
3: <laughs> well, on June 12th, the United States Department of Education had published in the Federal Register there a notice of rulemaking. And what's really interesting about this is that it, it, it's in order to do something they couldn't get done to Congress. This, the new rulemaking is to put out 700 pages worth of new regulations and the explanations for the new regulations that would expand the scope of Title IX now to include sexual orientation and gender identity.
2: Yeah, they're going to piggyback on add, Title IX rather than, rather, than, exactly, rather than pass and support a real legislation.
3: You can't describe it based on sex, but also sexual orientation and gender identity. The problem with that is that gender identity now completely... Consumes the base on the basis of sex. It effectively rewrites the, the scope and, and, and the meaning of Title IX. All right. And the problem with this is that it will have devastating effects for parental rights, children's well being, girls' sports and their privacy and their safety, First Amendment rights, and really even truth itself. Well, we'll For get, about 77 million children across the country. We'll get into girls sports. Every
1: public school. We'll get into girls sports. But how will Title IX have a, have an effect on parental rights? Because I don't understand where that would affect parental rights. Because isn't Title IX really? I mean, well, maybe it's not. I don't know. Isn't it geared more okay. towards college? It's geared more toward no. any school or no. education program that <laughs> receives funding from the federal government. So it's high school. Middle yeah. school, yeah, it's any school that's, that's receiving right. federal. So yeah. it's private schools really don't affect; uh, they're not affected by Title uh, Nine.
3: More? If they if they if they take federal funding, then it then it affects like, Title IX. Like for lunches, <laughs> <title
1: school. laughs> like for lunches, like for busing. If okay,
3: they, you know some some private schools they they pay, they receive Title IX funding. If right. they do receive federal funding, then they apply. All right. So how
1: how I does have. it how does Title Nine affect parental rights?
3: <laughs> they're very clever. They didn't put like in the very front. Oh, by the way, we we destroyed parental rights in the midst of this, they right? they it. it. They never do. They, they put it They put in know. the last paragraph. <laughs> right it's, <of> it's, <laughs> it's when, no, it's when you understand, when you look at the provisions and then understand what exactly this would do. So what these new regulations would do if they're, if they're implemented. And I say, yes, because we, before we get off, I want to say what we can do to get in front of this train. But. It, it would presume that any policy or practice that prevents a student from participating in school or anything school related in a manner that prevents them participating in a manner that's quote, consistent with their gender identity, it presumes that subjects the student to harm. So in order to not allegedly harm students under now the new provisions, you have got to unquestioningly and immediately be willing to affirm a child's discordant gender identity. It's, it's effectively requiring schools to adopt policies that embrace gender identity ideology, which is that the only way you respond to a child who is expressing discomfort with their sex and has gender dysphoria, gender identity confusion, that that is immediate and unquestioning affirmation. And because to fail to do otherwise is subjecting the child, quote unquote, to harm, i.e., violating Title IX. So now, what does and that mean? And can they
0: claim discrimination, Bernadette?
3: Yes. Number one, it gives it would give the child or the parent, child's parents, um, or or, or <laughs> not even or the Title IX coordinator the right to claim to to file a complaint and to claim that. You know, they're violating Title IX. It, it actually implements a federal policy of social transitioning of children as a matter of policy in our schools. So what is, so how does this work now? Um, it creates this new category called sex-based harassment. Instead of sexual harassment, which we all kind of knew what that was, we now have sex-based harassment and sex-based harassment is failing to allow a child to participate in accordance with their gender identity. That even includes if it's activities happening outside the school. So potentially, if there's activities that, that if the parents are wanting to affirm biological reality at home, then communicate to the school, you know, at home, we are maintaining biological reality. So you're not to endorse this this child's, you know, assumed identity at school. Well, under Title IX, under under these these regulations, it would appear to authorize the school to say, uh, no, it doesn't matter what you're doing at home. At school, this is how it has to be.
1: And these are under the proposed changes.
3: These are under the proposed changes. And also, there is no, there's no exemption for parental notification, for parental consent, for Parental approval. So, Title so IX no would effectively it, reject,
1: it would effectively overturn any laws passed like Florida.
3: It would override them. That's another part of it because of the, there's a provision in the new regulations that says any if there's a state law that's that's in conflict with these regulations, these regulations trump. Constitutionally speaking,
1: principles. constitutionally speaking, where where does Title IX fall for you? Is this a states' rights issue, or is this should the federal government be involved in this? If their funds are involved well, that's in, the
3: it. Top, yeah, that, and that is exactly that is going to be what happened. There is going to there is going to be these titanic um, lawsuits it, that'll probably end up in the in the in the Supreme Court if it gets to that point. Because that's exactly right. You've hit the nail. You now have, you have a train wreck. Mm-hmm. There's, there, the two can't occupy the same space. Parental rights yep. is now on a head-on collision with Title IX, or excuse me, Title IX is a head-on collision with parental rights, and parental rights are constitutionally protected. The problem is that the courts have not been perfectly clear because this is all so new. All yeah. of this stuff is so new. You don't have a Supreme Court decision on point in the gender identity area and parental rights. So the confusion is going to give activists teachers and educators and administrators the opportunity to uh, to have the, to say, uh, we have the backing of the federal government and we're required by Title IX to endorse this child's identity even over your objections. And until parents start to sue or, and states sue, you're going to have the, the little John case reproducing itself in school districts all over the country, everywhere.
2: Yeah, we have a state uh, House Bill 616 that's in process right now for Ohio that in the sections right here, it says uh, with respect to students in any of the grades kindergarten through three, teach, use or provide any curriculum or instructional materials on sexual orientation or gender identity. And then they go further in the next section and say that any of the kids that are from fourth to twelfth grade can't be this can't be brought up to them either. And it really protects them. But Jim makes the same point in other episodes that we've had where if you have a conflict here, you have to be ready to not get federal dollars and do it yourself to, to stop this from happening. We use the highways, for example. If the federal government threatens to hold highway funds, we just go, hey, all right, we don't need you. We're doing it ourselves because we're not going to be beholden to you and your bullshit.
3: It, it is setting up for a an enormous constitutional showdown. But the problem is that those take time. Those, you know, they take months, they take years. And in the interim, how many lives, how many children will be sucked into this, into this paradigm? How many parents will see their rights, you know, trampled and usurped? It's, you know, just just the human carnage is what's disturbing, which is why we don't want to wait around and do nothing. There's, there's, there are things that we can and should do in the interim. I can, I can explain a little bit more about what this thing does, though, if you want me to, before I get to what we can do.
1: No, absolutely. But let me ask you this real quick for the people that are listening that are not constitutional lawyers, right? That don't understand. And that's half the problem with this country is that people haven't read the Constitution. They don't understand the Constitution. What when you say that parental rights are constitutionally protected, where is that in the Constitution? Where do they have those rights? Where where can they go back to and say, look, this is I have the right to care for my child.
3: The fundamental parental right is has been recognized in the decisions of the United States Supreme Court going back to almost 100 years ago. So it, it's not it's not found in any express provision of the Constitution, but it is it is found it has been located in the 14th Amendment, the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment, that says you cannot deprive citizens of life, liberty, business. Life and liberty without due process of law. All right, and so what the what the Supreme Court I believe has rightfully has has decided is that well when you deprive a parent of the liberty to raise uh, their child, you're, prov- you're depriving them of a fundamental liberty interest that has been part of America since the founding. Uh, it's kind of like depriving them of their of their freedom. Right. You know, for my many parents. They'd rather you lock them up than you actually, you know, take their child and indoctrinate them into some sort of cult. So
1: as far as you're All concerned, right, so as far as you believe, it's a 14th Amendment issue. That's where the Supreme Court is it putting...
3: It is a 14th Amendment. It is... Okay. Yes, that's right.
1: Yeah, perfect.
2: Perfect. I <laughs> uh, gets Jim excited when you talk about amendments. <laughs> oh, I love the Constitution. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, you know, we well, need that Bernadette here and other... have a little
1: whiskey with us. <laughs>
3: uh, maybe maybe <laughs> so not live. lot. the Constitution... <laughs> no, and not today, yeah. but but the other part of the Constitution that would be would be directly impacted is your, your First Amendment rights. And this is this is black letter law, your freedom of speech, your free exercise rights. So if you're if you're requiring all educators and other students to to refer to a child or to regard that child as something other than the biological sex. And that violates your sense of truth, your understanding of biological reality, or your sincerely held beliefs about the created order of male and female. Then you're now being compelled to speak something against your conscience. That's a violation of freedom of speech. And you also would be compelled to act in a violation of your free exercise of religion rights. See, there's many rights here that are being railroaded in the interest of Expanding Title IX beyond where Congress ever ever intended to go, and that's the other part of this. It's the separation of powers problem. Congress is is what's been entitled. Been the Constitution gives Congress the right to pass laws that reflect the will of the governed. Yes. Right. What the Biden administration is doing here is going around Congress to a to inside ball. So the, the federal agency rulemaking process, because most people don't understand that, it's unfamiliar, it's obtuse, and and so to kind of get these regulations in, to but that change what Congress actually passed, that is. Are
1: wrong. you telling me that, that Article Two problems. does not give the president the right to make law? Is that what you're telling me? That's crazy. Uh, yep. Are you, that's congratulations, Bernadette. You just but became like Jim's new best friend. Bernadette, you're my new best friend. <laughs> I'm going to send you a friend <laughs> request you. on Facebook. Um, no, this is fantastic. No, this is good stuff. And, you know, I. And, and it's that's important. what it should always come down well, to. Well, it. it's important for everybody listening to know that while you think what's happening is not right. Now, you know why it's not right. Don't take this lying down. When you hear that your schools are doing this, this is in direct violation of what your rights are. You're allowed to speak out against a school. Now, look, they're going to try to silence you, right? They're going to tell you your time's up. They're going to tell you you can't talk. The FBI, for God's sake, is going to put you on a terror watch list because you're speaking out against your school boards. But you don't go quietly. You don't sit there and say, well, I'm going to follow the rules. There are times when you don't follow the rules. And if the school's going to try to silence you when you know something is wrong, you've got organizations out there. You have organizations like the Child and Parental Rights Campaign that are willing to help you out. Don't sit there quietly and just accept this and let your kids be the victims of your inactivity. Don't let your kids be the victim of your apathy. Well, I'm going to let the kid, I'm gonna, you know what, I got to work. I'm just going to let the school do what they do. You can't do that anymore. Yeah. There's no sending your kids. The, the school's not your kid's daycare anymore. And you, you see, have you to be see school
2: boards getting flipped a lot right now. Yeah, you put do. Put on their heads. Because uh, people are waking up and they're waking up. firing their school boards. But is that enough? I don't Those know. Those people that get in there, they have to do more. So,
1: Bernadette, what can
2: well, we do?
0: That's, yeah, that's a great <laughs> question, guys. Is that enough? And I do think as parents, you need to be inoculating your children from this. That's and right. I know Bernadette will give some specific steps as well. Um, But, you know, you have to be having these conversations. And before I spoke out, and I'm so grateful more and more parents are now speaking out, you know, you mentioned this before. They counted on us being ashamed or scared. But I'm here to empower parents and tell them there is no shame in trying to protect your children. That is our number one job. And... It's our only job. That's right. And we are speaking truth and we have truth and science on our side when it comes to this issue. It's just a matter now of parents rising up and collectively fighting this together.
2: January is also my new best friend. My nine-year-old on the way out today had questions about this because she sees my prep work and she hears me talking to the wife about it. And she had questions about this episode. My nine-year-old. And uh, she was like, oh, I look forward to listening to it if you'll let me. Uh, cause normally some of our episodes, she doesn't get to listen to cause a lot of times we swear a lot. Um, but this is one of the ones where, you know, Hey, Hey kid, here you are. It's, it's your time to listen to this and kind of get used to understanding the basics of, of what they're going through. So you don't, so you don't have to make this same.
0: But, that's right. And, and, and so it, you, you see it coming. That, yes. And so, and so you see, see the train the the lies, coming when they hear the lies at school or would they see it on TV or see it on the internet, they will know that is not the truth. My parents yes. taught me what the truth is. If they can't identify it, this was a train I didn't see coming, and many parents in my situation didn't see coming. But I'm telling you, if you're not actively inoculating your children from this, then they are vulnerable. Because what girl is comfortable in their pubescent body.
1: All right, January. It so is- I got people listening right now that are going, okay, you say to inoculate them, but January, what am I supposed to do? How do I inoculate my kids against this? Where do you start you with this? To
0: them. You talk. You have conversations. You had age-appropriate conversations.
1: Do you talk just- about the evils of the school? Do you want to undermine what the good teachers are it. doing?
0: I don't think so, because if you are, or if you are actively engaged in your school, and you have a good relationship with your child's teacher, that's also a way that you are inoculating your family from this.
3: Yeah. And I, let, I, me, let me I let do. me jump back in here, guys, because I do want to make sure we, we give your audience action steps. I know you guys are doers rather than just talkers, so I want to make sure we give action steps to your audience we want to empower and not just my, wild new,
1: up. my new best friend jump in right. there bestie, jump in there bestie <laughs>
3: God, dang. Uh,
1: i'll see you at dinner yeah. tonight
3: <laughs> well you know and and i have and and i have to kind of come out of my you know some of, some of the i have the comments at other times there are a lot of good educators a lot of good teachers out there and what's really sad about about these, uh, not sad, infuriating about these proposed regulations is that it will force even good teachers and educators to, to have to go against what they know to be right and true in order because of federal, because of federal funding and federal, a federal mandate. So what do we do about all of this, right? So here, here's the, my final thing. Title, the, the, the last, um, insolence in all of this, our, our irony is that Title and I was passed to, to give girls equal opportunity education, right? But now these new regulations will be used to put girls' safety, their privacy, at risk because it's going to force open, you know, privacy facilities to guys who identify as girls. And but even worse, the sports opportunities—it is going to force sports to open up and be based on gender identity. And we we see already what's happening. And don't let them fool The the, the, the Department of Education, they're trying to claim that they're not including that in these regulations, but when you do an analysis and go all the way through, there's no way they can can escape it. So here is where we are. What do we do? All right.
1: Yeah, everybody's listening to this for an hour, and they're like, all right, sounds great. What's the plan, Yeah. (laughs) What do I do next, Bernadette?
3: Don't be coy, Roy. All
1: right. <laughs> Here um, we go. We're going to date ourselves. Stop it. Everybody's going to know we're
3: to <laughs> uh Before September 12th, we have the, the rulemaking process. Before
1: September 12th is when the public
3: September, comment. Between now and September 12th. Okay. That's when the comment period ends. Okay. They have to give the public the opportunity to, to express their comments. And why is that important? Well, they're required under the law. The, to, to the Department of Education to consider those comments and to adequately take them into account and to respond to them. And if they don't do that, number, well, if they don't do that, it would they could possibly be overturned by a court as being arbitrary and capricious. All
1: right. So, number so that, one, would, that was going to be is, my question is, what do you say to all those people that are like, look, it doesn't matter? Right? Their decisions it made. Matter. It, their it matters decisions for made.
3: two reasons. It matters for two reasons. Number one, you, we seed the reasons for, because they're, they're going to be sued. If they go for this, it, it trust me, whether it's a state or whether it's a, an organization or whether it's parents, they're going to be lawsuits. But it seeds in the record, the, it, you know, basis for, su- for suing them or for overturning them it's right. because they have not taken taking this account things that Congress never thought Yes, and now this is consequential
1: it's a little off okay. but this is exactly what I say about voting right for the conservatives out there for the for the people that are, are worried uh, about how this country's going and they're like, look I'm not even going to vote anymore I don't I don't believe in voting it doesn't matter at that point you give them what they want. You give them a legitimate victory. If you don't speak out against Title IX, if you don't get your your comment on record, you're giving them what they want. They're able to go back and say, now, look, nobody cares. All the comments we have are positive. Because those of you that believe that the comments don't matter, if you don't comment, you give them a legitimate victory. You have to make them cheat. You have to give them absolutely. your comments. You have to tell absolutely. them, I don't agree with this. And you have to make them cheat. But because I, if you don't, absolutely. they're going to win. I feel like I'm going to get the,
2: the, the Board of Education phone number to call and comment. And then I'm just going to ring. And this is going to be like, the voicemail belonging to the Board of, <laughs> of Education is full. And no, not accepting
3: that anymore. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I feel
2: like is going to happen.
3: No. <laughs> All right. no, it doesn't work that way. Right. And here, and so, and, so how and here, does it would, work? We would love to see if they, they get a million comments. If they get, what if, they get, two, what if they get what if two million parents would comment? In, number one, when you get that, if you get a quantity, a large quantity, it actually it slows them down. It would it, it could cause a delay. It very likely would cause a delay because they they have to actually go through the comments. All right, we've got the possibility of a flipping Congress in a few months. Sure. Okay. So I mean, there are actually things that could happen that where where delay could be could be actionable. All right, or even the possibility of reconsideration. Again, they have an election coming up, and if there is a groundswell, look what happened in Virginia. All right, All right. Oh, if, yeah, you're the right. State. If there is a groundswell, Texas. of parents that overwhelm them with comments, realizing it's like, oh my gosh, we, there, there really could be reconsideration, delay, or if nothing else, again, seeding the basis of overturning this thing in court because, because I. I, I Frankly, I think it's going to be so illegal that <laughs> there's a really good chance it will be overturn. But so, you have to have the evidence. So how do we comment? How do people comment? So there's a, there's a website, and I'm going to make it easy, but I'll tell you how the process works. There's a website that the United States Department of Education has a website where they give the opportunity to act, either load up a comment, like you write a good letter, you know, write it all out, make it nice, and then they can upload it, or you can you can. Input, you can just type in your comment in, the, in their portal. I think it's better to have it written up first and be really thoughtful and, and then and upload it. To make it easier, we're putting on our website and because I, I frankly, I can't spit out the long, you know, federal register website over, the, over this uh, interview, but I can just give you our website where you're going to, there's a button on there that'll take you right to their website on the federal register. There's one of the federal registers, there's one of the Department of Education. We like the federal register one.
1: So, I'm on the Child and Parental Rights Campaign uh, website right now. Where would people go right now to to get that information from you?
3: Yeah, so go to um, childparentrights.org, mm-hmm. and it should be right there on the homepage, because we're, we're really kind of making this front and center. Okay. And you're going to see there, you know, a little explanation, you know, you know and understanding. it a tutorial on the, the comment process and then boom, a, a button that you can click on. That'll take you to the federal register site. You can put your comment there, in do there and you guys that'll have actually really
1: quite straightforward. Do you have a letter that people can copy, paste? copy paste or use we the bullet points? We do. Now we my do. problem with all. this, what do you think of this? My problem with this is always that if a congressman gets a form letter and it's 100 letters, the exact same wording. They just disregard them. Someone just
3: passed you, passed you another note, right? Did someone pass you another note? No, no, no. no that's me. That's something. me. Brilliant. I, I
1: always feel like, look, you should take that letter, but <laughs> yeah. you should make it your own. Because if you don't, they're just going to disregard it. Yeah.
2: Sometimes Jim finds a nut out there sometimes.
1: <laughs> I'm a blind squirrel. Blame squirrel. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> even the blind the blind school right the on him in fact in this scenario more even than in Congress because this they, they they're not they don't have to answer just you know reproduced form letters they then they'll just send out a reproduced form response all right it is unique stories evidence link to important information, unique stories. My child has this, this my parent, my, my family would be, you know, harmed b- because of this reason. I mean, unique stories, specific, alright? And, and, and on each topic, you know, your, your religious liberty, your free, your, your child's, um, free speech rights, your child, your, your parental rights, um, right. your, your, your daughter's sports opportunity. You know, right. I'm concerned at a scholarship, whatever. So take the they information that down.
1: childparentrights.org has for you. Take the parts of it that you want to get out there, but you got to put your own story in there. You got to put your own words in there because if you don't.
3: And we make it easy because this is what we've got. We've got resources up. We've got a legal analysis. we got a call to action that explain all this. But we have comment starters for parents for community leaders, for educators, because they're educators that I'm not gonna be okay with this. And and a comment started with just kind of feeds you with the kind of information that you should include but doesn't tell you what to say. It tells you the type of information to include, but not it doesn't sort of you know, put words in your mouth and you can create your own comment, your own story. So all of that is I
1: actually just there. clicked on it. The resources are fantastic. Really I mean the very first thing is one thing January talked about right the myth about suicide and gender for mm-hmm. children Wow you guys have a lot of information here look the website is childparentrights.org childparentrights.org and you are going to be amazed for for real this isn't ugh.
3: it really is in, in the you know in the in the resource in the resources area there's a, a school resource guide for appropriate policies for schools that explains the whole transgender issue in schools. It's a 48-page guide that was reviewed by 14 medical professionals. It will give you information on the medical risks, suicidality, sexual dysfunction, and in in, as a result of these of these treatments, et cetera. So that is on there. And then in the, um, the news section, there's all kinds of articles on children, on education, on internationally. Again, that you can look through, and you you might even want to, you know, provide, download some of those and and reference some of those in your your comments. There's a lot of resources there.
1: Let me say this too. I I just clicked on it. Right, the resources you can you can purchase a hard copy of it for five dollars. But if you're an educator and you know what's going on is wrong, they even give you a discount. There's no reason why you shouldn't go here, and
3: it's three bucks. It is less than the price of a latte, huh? Well, there's a free download. There's a free download for so anyone. Anyway, oh, I see that next. To download, Right. Yeah, you know, if you want a hard copy and they're beautiful, you can get it. But but there's a free download. We 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 did this to be a resource. Absolutely.
1: Oh. God. <laughs> my new best friend. I love well, her.
3: Dan and Jim, I've got to run.
1: Uh, I'll tell you what, we're going to give you both the last word. We're going to give you the last 30 seconds here or last minute. I guess we'll give you mm-hmm. Uh January gets the last word when she's done. Vernadette, you get the last word and uh, we'll go from there. So January you're up man. Uh uninterrupted. It's up to you.
0: Well, thank you all so much for having us and uh, allowing us to give your audience some information. This is just really, really important that parents understand what is happening, you know, not just in schools, but within our culture right now, because our children are at risk, and they are being preyed upon. We are manufacturing children who are confused over their sex and may believe a lie that medical transition is for them. And I'm here to be a resource to parents and to let people know that there is hope that many, many parents, even when they find themselves in this situation, are able to get their children to desist and to put their children back on a path of self-love and um, loving their bodies that God put them in.
1: Right on. Bernadette, you
3: got got 30 seconds. Cheers. Well, you know, I believe that children today are having an identity crisis in part, not entirely, but in part because parents, have had an identity crisis. And until we stop and recognize who we are, what our role is in the life of a child and how we've been authorized to to guide and to guard our children, our children are gonna continue to struggle. So it is up to us to step up, walk into identity. And I believe parents are beginning to do that all over the country. That is the most encouraging thing that I've encountered over the last four years since I've gotten into this issue is that parents are waking up on all sides of the spectrum. And, uh, and so I commend you guys for bringing attention to this issue. It's only going to grow larger. And I believe we have a chance to push this back and to really bring our children back from the brink. Thanks so much.
1: All right on, man. We appreciate you guys. January, I want to clear one thing up. Uh, you said that you are a resource. Is there a way that parents can contact you or should they go through childparentrights.org?
0: Yes. I mean, parents have found me on social media, but they can contact me through our attorneys and I'm happy to put them in touch with resources to help them and and help them navigate this crisis with their children.
1: All right. Right on. Matt, we appreciate you guys. Seriously. More than you know. Yeah, it has. Um, We'd love to have you back. Yeah. We'd love to have you back once the uh, conclusion of the case um, or, you know, whenever, I mean, if you decide you want to talk about something else, you let us know. We'll have you right back on. So, all right. We appreciate you guys. Thank you guys. All
3: right, we'll see you guys.
1: All right, take care. All right, bye bye. Bye bye.
2: Man, what a what a cross to bear for these people that had no idea they were going to be the tip
1: of the spear. Seriously, for this kind of bullshit, they got to. Seriously, January woke up one day, and her life was normal. Her kid came home, and now she's involved in this. Right now, she's involved. She's fighting for every single parent out there. That is like, man, I think my school's fucking up. She is the one. She's fighting for you, Vernadette is fighting for you. ChildParentrights.org is fighting for you. But January woke up that day like a normal day. And then all of a sudden. Yeah. You know? She had a fight on her hands. And I and I
2: don't know what they want the outcome of the litigation to be. Because it's not going to be financial. I don't think it's, you know, I I what has to be the outcome i don't know but it's probably not cheap
1: no but you know what i think childparentrights.org is probably picking it up I, they're I the ones know. that are they're bearing that cross. i don't know
2: and i don't know what what the outcome of that litigation should be besides maybe the school being corrected on how they're going to handle it because of this law or the next law or whatever it's it's tough it could be used it could be used as precedent
1: you know what? i'll i'll tell you this though January is not one of those parents that's sitting back here, just saying, telling her friends at the bar, or telling her friends in her wine group, "Oh, this is so messed up. What's happening?" Nope, she's you doing know what? Something. Yeah, she's going fucking full on, man. She is national. She's got a a powerful law group. fighting for her. She's not going to sit down. She's not waiting for this. She's not like, oh, well. Someone oh, else will do it. Oh, well, you took care of my kid. I don't care anymore. Nope. She's fighting for you. Everybody who's listening to this, she's fighting for your kids. Dude, I tell you, man. You think I'm joking? Like, Bernadette is one of my best friends now. Yeah. January, I, I seriously, I want to sit down with both of them over a bottle of whiskey. I do. Dude. Oh, you know, you don't realize how bad it is. Think about your daughter, mm-hmm. right? If she came home one day and said, hey, my school's telling me I can be a boy now, you'd be like, you'd be overwhelmed. You'd be like, well, fuck, where do I start with this? You call the school and they're like, ah, we can't talk to you. You're like, well, okay, I tried. Nope, nope. There is more you can do. And you don't take that shit laying down. You're the parent. This is your kid. you like, st peter's it is <laughs> dude yeah well i guess i'm gonna pull them out well, okay so you pull them out and you go to your own school but now every other kid after your kid has to deal with this yeah, yeah. it's up to you look man there's a there, there, Oh, i'm gonna give my free plug 30 seconds i buy stickers from them there's nobody coming it's up to us there's nobody coming to save you it's up to you to save yourself and to save everybody after you there's nobody coming don't assume somebody's coming to help you and that's funny
2: cuz you say that on a lot of different opinions <laughs> not a lot just that you know no hey, I'm it's not. up to you nobody's nobody's coming from, yeah. from,
1: from 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 your rights from this your rights from that nobody's from coming in that situation yeah. nobody gives a fuck it's up to you yeah it's up to you to protect yourself and your family it's up to you to protect everybody who's coming after you who's coming through this same shit You can't sit there anymore and say, look, somebody else will take care of this. You can't do it. We're beyond that. We are at the point now where you have to protect everybody. Everybody has to protect everybody. You can't allow the government, you can't allow the schools to get away with this. You can't. We're beyond that point now. In January, she is one who has said, look, nah, not on my watch. Vernadette. Mm. she is one who said, nah, not on my watch. But everything they do is going to be in vain if you don't support them. They can't do it by themselves. You have to step up. You have to step up and get involved.
2: Or just be schooled enough to understand the, the situation and what you can do when you're talking to other people about it that might want to step up. If you're not the step upper, but you understand what's going on, then you can then you can you then know, direct those people yeah. where
1: to step up. That's right, right? Yeah. You know what? Just like in the military, you got war fighters, you got guys that want to go out there and kill people, and you got people that are in service and support. They're like, look, I can't kill nobody. I'm going to tell you where those people are. You got to kill. Right. Okay. Now, don't misunderstand. This is Dan's? This is Dan's biggest gripe. You shouldn't have to explain anything, right? But I'm not saying to go out there and kill anybody. But what I'm saying is there are people in the back that don't want to be on the battlefield. There's talkers and there's doers. And there's doers. (laughs) If you're in the back and you don't want to be on the battlefield, you tell people where that battlefield is and they will go and they will take care of business. Even your job. I look at your job and some of the stuff that you got to put up with and I'm like,
2: or even firefighters, you know, who wants to hose down the the freeway after a bike accident? (laughs) Well... Yeah. Who who wants to have that in the back of their mind. You know, some of the shit you've seen over the years, like you you have to be able to compartmentalize to be able to do that. So some people are talkers, some people are doers.
1: Fair. What else you got?
2: Yesterday uh was my date anniversary. The wife and I have been holding hands for 22 years.
1: All right. Shout out to her Dan Wilk What's up <laughs> Your wife is in the top one though <laughs> She's the top one though <laughs> yeah, That's right Your wife is the top one though bro 22 years yep. Right on man yep.
2: Congrats that's how long we been
1: holding hands Congrats Yeah. Alright Thanks for sticking around babe yeah. <laughs> I mean what I have going on in my life right now I'm like well you know what Fuck <laughs> Alright So Dan congrats man thanks, On thanks. the anniversary thanks. Yeah no Right. data dataversary dataversary oh dataversary yeah oh you're going all the way back all the way back all That's right 22 years Do you know what you're a good dude appreciate it all right no well uh all right so dan before uh i mean other than the dataversary anything else no no i mean i hope everyone likes How this episodes
2: <laughs> i hope everyone liked this episode and I hope everybody uh yeah. Goes to goes to that website when that link is up and, and and put something in there because if they have to listen to the people,
1: that's the, that's where the power's at. Childparentrights.org. Check it out, man. Grandkids, kids, doesn't matter. If your kids aren't the ones being affected by this, somebody else's kids are. Go to childparentrights.org and you'll get everything you need to continue that fight. So, all right. As always we thank you guys for your support. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, if you could drop us a like, drop us a five star review, that really helps us out. You can find us on Facebook at Pod Bless America and you can find us on Twitter at Jim and Dan Show. You can find us on Getter at Pod Bless America and you can find me at Jim at pba and you can find me at Dan at pba-podcast.com. So until next time, I'm Jim, I'm Dan and Pod Bless America.